This is Boom, the Southeastern Commerce Podcast, brought to you by the law firm of Adams and Reese. We talk with regional leaders in trade, economic development, government, and business as we explore what's new and what's shaking from Texas to Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Kane with Adams and Reese in New Orleans. Welcome to this episode of Boom, the Southeastern Commerce Podcast, where we talk trade, economic development, and business issues affecting the region. Today, we'll be talking about the steps the City of Columbia is taking as business returns to work. With us, we have the Mayor of Columbia, Steve Benjamin, and LaJoya Broughton, a Government Affairs Advisor, with us in our Columbia office. We will focus on lessons learned from the City of Columbia, as well as what's next in regards to social and economic development projects in your great city. Uh, Mayor, we are pleased to have you with us today. Uh, your background is incredible, and going through your whole bio would probably take up the whole podcast. But uh, anecdotally, I'll tell you, uh, I was talking to a couple colleagues here in the greater New Orleans area about our podcast today, and you were defined as a rising star among mayors and have a very um, significant, bright future in terms of what you're doing, and, and we look forward to hearing about what is going on in Colombia and how you guys are dealing with COVID and, and, and couldn't be you know, more pleased to have you. So thank you for that. Um, and of course, LaJoya, my great colleague out of our Columbia mm-hmm. office, uh, previously was a governmental affairs manager with Jewel Labs and also previously served as the executive director for the South Carolina Legislative Black Caucus. So two awesome folks that we have today and uh, look forward to the topics and go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Mayor, as we sit here today, I was reflecting as we were preparing. You know, I, I'm in New Orleans, in the greater New Orleans area, and, um, of course, our viewpoint of this crisis, healthcare crisis and economic crisis, has been perhaps skewed, obviously. We really got hit hard in our region sure. early on, and, and our trends are, you know, are improving. But just looking and reflecting at the numbers, you know, we basically, in our city, have double the amount of total cases that the entire state of South Carolina has, um, which was, was kind of mind-boggling to me. Um, so I'm interested to learn how you and, and, and your staff and, and the healthcare experts that you're working with are going through this and, and get some lessons learned from probably a more normal environment, if there is a normal environment, right, in, in today's day and age, um, and, and hear what that experience is like. No, well, thanks, Chris, and thanks, thanks uh, for the intro as well. It, it just means that you've been reading much of the stuff that I write, so I appreciate that, and uh, others have too. <laughs> it's all uh, true, Mayor Benjamin. It's all true. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been a unique challenge for everyone. I think in public sector, private sector, and philanthropic leadership. I mean, this this is a, a generational event. Uh, we've seen nothing like it, uh, at least uh, according to epidemiologists and historians, uh, since 1918. Uh, the world is a lot bigger now. It's a lot more interconnected and interdependent. Uh, so the spread of the pandemic as a, as a public health challenge is, is one thing. The impact it's had on the economy is so much more precipitous. I mean, we're looking at well, globally maybe a 5% drop in, in GDP, so far, you know, record um, um, three trillion in, in, in borrowing, and, and just from a local level, thinking about my friend Latoya Cantrell, the mayor of New Orleans, and, and other uh, mayors and governors, you're looking at probably a, sh- a trillion dollar shortfall for state and local government. So you're looking at a uh, an economy that was that had some major challenges. Obviously, um, 
We can talk about income inequality and the like. But it was fundamentally sound. We were probably, you know, due for a recession, but we've had an economic crisis that was precipitated and caused by, by a public health crisis. We try to be very thoughtful and, and deliberate in our approach. We started very early here calling together Midland uh, Coronavirus Task Force, pulled together all of our public sector and private sector partners, all the stakeholders here in Columbia and across the Midlands uh, that, that could help us break down some of the barriers and silos that, that, that tend to exist and try to get as much intergovernmental and intersectoral uh, participation as we possibly uh, could. It, it, and it's, it's allowed us to uh, put together a strategy that has, has uh, literally put a lot more resources in the pockets of, of small businesses uh, that's allowed us to, um, to really uh, try and balance this major challenge we have where obviously we're dealing with an unprecedented public health crisis and we recognize the importance of social distancing. We've been investing there. We've been pushing for more um, uh, social distancing and, and uh, masks and, and all those things, but also recognizing that the long-term effects of social distancing are obviously economically ruinous. So how do you try to make sure that you're building uh, the type of capacity that allows you to do the things that we've been doing? You know, I think very well here in Columbia over the last uh, 10 years, we've been, uh, you know, uh, as, as Carl and, and others, maybe in your Adams Reese office here in Columbia will tell you, we've been uh, very much pro-business, trying to create an environment that attracts private capital investment, uh, treat it well and watch it grow. We've been, you know, good fiscal stewards. We finished eight of the last 10 years with a budget surplus. We've never raised taxes. We've cut property taxes by over 12 mils here, uh, revitalized downtown, put about three-quarters of a billion dollars in water, sewer, stormwater infrastructure, got three upgrades for Standard Poor's and Moody's. You know, we've, we've made the investments that you have to make to try and create a, uh, a healthy, vibrant city of the New South. And I think those investments, you know, rebuilding our reserves, uh, have helped us uh, prepare to weather the storm that we all see coming as uh, literally every single revenue stream um, starts to drop, and we're going to have to obviously still make sure we render the services that make you know the, the definition of a, of a of a civilized society. And it's a uh, so it's been a heck of a balancing act. Uh, we we decided we're going to focus like a laser beam on data, 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 data. You know, pushing for testing and and, and contact tracing and uh, and supported isolation. The things that you need to do to get you know good data uh, gives you good intelligence. Uh, testing gives you data. Data gives you intelligence. Intelligence allows you to make informed public policy decisions. And it's uh, but it's been a, it's been a journey, and I, and I I can't find one public official. I spent a lot of time with Republicans and Democrats and devoted independents who've ever had to manage through this type of a storm. But folks are stepping up. I, I'm a big believer that leaders are true leaders are developed in times of crisis. So uh, our folks have stepped up in a very collaborative format, and I feel good about uh, the direction we're going in. Yeah, and you know, Mr. Mayor, you mentioned the locality of leadership, and, and particularly at the mayoral level or, um, or or county, and in, in our case, parish president leadership. Um, maybe unlike any other time before, is is got a burden, you know, on, on budgets and and on decision making to the, the the most critical local level. Your role, uh, previous role as the president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, I, I got familiar with that organization when. Um, when our prior mayor and good friend uh, Mayor Landrew was very involved in the, in the organization as well, is that sort of organization and, and ability to work with mayors across the country, um, helping and, and and kind of sorting through things that are critical in terms of trying to determine 
the right coronavirus restrictions and the right type of, you know, contact tracing programming and, and, and how is that working in, in your experience? It's, it, the, the leadership of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, you may, you may know that Mitch was actually my president. I, I served as vice president under Mitch and finished out his unexpired term. The problem with Mitch is that Mitch is still convinced that I work for him. He thinks I'm still his vice president, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I, 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 I miss him. Uh, but, no, the Conference of Mayors, you know, uh, was conceived and birthed uh, during the Great Depression uh, when uh, mayors of cities all across the country would go to Washington for help and then realize that the real leadership was happening on the local level, that the leadership closest to the people was where the answers were going to come from. Uh, founded in 1932 over the last um, several decades, has emerged into a force representing cities directly uh, who are over 30,000 citizens. And I had the pleasure of serving as, as a president last year as we were as really, you know, spreading the message of, of cities. You know, we're focused on the three I's, infrastructure, innovation, and inclusion, recognizing that American cities now serve at the center of metropolitan economies that now represent 85% of our citizens, 89% of jobs, and, and literally 92% of America's GDP is created in cities and metropolitan economies. So if you have healthy cities and metro areas, then you have a, um, a healthy country. So um, it's going to be curious to see how how much of that changes. We actually have a call with the conference mayors tomorrow. We're going to be talking to some of the uh, the great minds on, on the growth of cities like Richard, Florida, and others. Just trying to see how these major demographic shifts we've seen come to urban areas, how that might change as people um, in the wake of the COVID crisis start thinking about density. You know, do I want to live downtown or, or, or am I more comfortable maybe in the suburbs, a little bit more room uh, to move around? You know, we've been talking about the power of inclusion and, and the arts and culture and tourism and creating uh, places that people want to live. And you started off talking about the challenges that New Orleans has, has faced. And New Orleans, you know, it's was, was, kind of a perfect storm. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great city that everyone in the world wants to come and visit. The problem is that everyone in the world comes to visit. Uh, so when you have massive events like a Mardi Gras, uh, literally in the wake of, of, of the, of the uh, pandemic reaching the shores of, of the U.S., it turned into a, a, a major challenge uh, for a great city like New Orleans. And, and Latoya Cantrell has been doing as great a job as any mayor in the country in helping lead the charge, always with an, um, a mind focused also on equity, as we've seen the disparate impact on, on different uh, socioeconomic groups, on, on African Americans and the like. She's always been a big voice in those areas, so it's prepared her even more so uh, for a time um, like this. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be curious to see exactly what that means for the future of American cities as we continue to try and build places where, you know, cities are supposed to be uh, places that abound in creativity, uh, where we are able to share the public square in meaningful ways and create that platform for true human potential. And um, we're going to see how, you know, see how things change. I think we're going to see some acceleration, uh, obviously, in, in some of the things we, uh, we were already seeing. Uh, we were, we're telecommuting a lot more. We, we, we saw some changes coming uh, with the future of work as it relates to automation and artificial intelligence and advanced machine learning. I can only imagine some of the clients that you guys have at, at Adams Reese, a world-class clients who were, who saw things changing over a period of time. I think a lot of those, um, a lot of those trends are going to be accelerated, and uh, um, we're going to see which cities and states and, and countries, for that matter, are going to be able to adjust quickly and, and make sure that we remain competitive uh, for the rest of the 21st century. 
Well, Mr. Mayor, that's informative and, and uh, you know, I think spot on and is exactly what we're dealing with here here in New Orleans and seeing as well and across our entire footprint as a firm. Uh, what I'd like to do now, uh, LaJoya, I'd like for you to uh, help us kick off our inaugural boom rapid fire Q&A session. It's not a hot seat, Mr. Mayor, I promise you. It's, I think actually most of these questions <laughs> I don't know. probably you come back it up, and, it uh, be. and be pointed at me somehow. So, LaJoya, uh, <laughs> let them have it. <laughs> Well, uh, Mayor Benjamin, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative of you joining us today, and I'm very proud to call you my mayor, a dear friend and a mentor, and you're very instrumental in my decision in joining Adams and Reese, and I have to tell you, it's been a great decision. So thank you very much for all that you've done for me and the city over the years. But it's a great, it's a great our attention yes, to it's, it's the butt, the butt, the butt, Chris, the butt, the butt, the butt, the butt. Okay, I have to butt. Okay. Now that we move on, absolutely. <laughs> so we have boom rapid fire Q and A to get to know Mayor Benjamin. So here's the thing: we know that you are a veteran in politics at this point, and a decorated mayor, and you know you politicians have a way of being real crafty with your words. But this is meant to be rapid fire, and we hope that we make this a little get to know you session with Mayor Benjamin. Are you game? Uh, I, I'm game. I'm game. I'll be as okay, rapid as I can. We got a total of 11 questions, so we won't keep you too long here. First question. Now, Chris is a good Louisiana man. He understands humidity, good food, but I keep telling him he is missing out by not spending more time in South Carolina. Do me a favor. Please tell him and, and our listeners on our great state of South Carolina and how and our famously hot city, Columbia. Oh, man, dynamic city in the New South, uh, the food, the people, the culture, anchored by some uh, good Gamecock football and, and, and a few other things. But uh, it's, a, it's a state capital uh, that enjoys a, a, a diverse and incredible uh, population. Uh, but I think the people um, make this place someplace special. Come check us out. You won't want to go home. <laughs> well, All right. I'll tell you, I've had a good chance to spend some good time in your great city, and uh, and the food and the people are incredible. I, I I will make more, whether they're legit business excuses or just excuses. I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to you that as soon as I can start traveling more, I'm gonna come down and, and get some good time, man, for sure. I'll, I'll buy you a glass of bourbon. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> All right, our next question: How did you get your start in politics? Wow, seventeen um, year old involved in civil rights issues. As a freshman at the University of South Carolina, I found a couple of mentors, or they found me, folks who saw some value or some, some strengths in me that I didn't see in myself, and they pulled the very best out of me, and I've been trying to pay that forward for the last several years. And that you have many times over. You spoke a little earlier, and uh, you over your time being mayor, you've spoken a great deal about the three eyes of city life, infrastructure, innovation, and uh, inclusion. Tell us what that means to Columbia. Uh, three eyes. Well, infrastructure is a defining characteristic of the Western world. You, you got to have uh, working roads and water and, and sewer. We've put three quarters of a billion dollars in that space over the last several years here in, in, in Columbia. If you think about a city like a human body, your infrastructure, your bones, you got to have a good, a strong bone structure. Innovation uh, is obviously your mind. You know, how are you constantly innovating and ideating and, and, and iterating? Sometimes you fail, but you're figuring things out. Uh, but how do you continue to build your mind, preparing your city for the next big opportunities? The reality is the world's changing really rapidly. Uh, you know, so how do you invest in your workforce? You think about uh, future work. As I mentioned, 1962, Eastman Kodak had 75,000 employees. 
same revenue scale in 2013, Facebook mm-hmm. had 6,300 employees. So how do you mm-hmm. innovating constantly to be prepared, prepare for that? And obviously, inclusion, if, if, if infrastructure is your bones, innovation is your brain, and inclusion is your heart. You know, how do you build a city and a state for all people, recognizing that there are very few things, particularly as we uh, think about the pandemic right now, there are very few things we can do on our own as we build communities for all people, recognizing the value in, in, in each and every one of God's creatures. That's how you build an inclusive society. So. Uh, it's been my mantra, focusing on the three eyes, and, and I don't think that's going to change any time between now and when I go on the glory. Mm, very nice. All right. This next question turns a little serious. Most of our time uh, and attention and focus has been in the fight against um, COVID-19. What are two other topics that keep you up at night? Oh, uh, I mean, obviously, always, um, I'm, a, I'm a father with two young daughters. Um, and, I, and while the Benjamin girls don't have to worry about much, I, I worry about our children, making sure that, that they're provided for, well-fed, safe, and in, in streets that can sometimes be dangerous. So I worry about our babies. And then secondly, I, I, I think I just worry about uh, giving people an opportunity to, to live a good life. We, we, we sometimes get focused on, in America, on red and blue, and we really ought to be focused on red, white, and blue. And I, I've always believed that America is about opportunity. If you give people a real shot at providing for themselves and providing for their families, a real shot, then we'll all do well. So it's, it's been the two things that keep me up at night are making sure our children are provided for uh, and protected, and then making sure that we continue to create a, a city, a state, and a country that reeks of, of, of real opportunity for people. Mm. All right. Chris mentioned earlier uh, your presidency with the conference, U.S. Conference of Mayors. You had or continued to work on a lot of exciting projects and put a lot of wheels in motion. Tell us a little bit about a few items, maybe one, that you're extremely excited about. Sure. Well, a mentor of mine and Mayor Landrews is uh, Joe Riley, who served as mayor of Charleston, South Carolina, for 40 years. Uh, when Mayor Absolutely. Riley, was, yeah, when Mayor Riley was the president of the Council of Mayors in the 80s, he started the Mayor's Institute and in City Design, which I think is probably the greatest legacy project um, of any of the, my my predecessor presidents of the organization. So I decided to start two institutes while I was um, president of the, of the conference. Uh, yeah, not to try so, to outdo them. No, not, no, of course not. But one based at NYU uh, focuses on the development of smart cities. Again, just recognizing that the world is changing very rapidly around us and oftentimes adapting technology. Uh, our, our citizens are usually way ahead of government. So helping our mayors determine how you can run smarter, more technologically advanced, more efficient and effective cities is has got to be a focus. So our mayor, Mayor's Leadership Institute in Smart Cities at NYU started, and then obviously our, our center on, on building compassionate cities, uh, wonderful corporate support and philanthropic support. Uh, but, you know, uh, we started the year at the border at trying to make sure we were meeting the needs of the, of the, of the children who were being sequestered there at the border by the U.S. government. Well, halfway through the year, we found ourselves in Montgomery, Alabama, trying to make sure that our leadership understood the, the history of America, particularly the, the, the racial challenges that we have. And we ended the year in Auschwitz, understanding mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the horrors of the Holocaust. Uh, the great Shoah that defined the last century and ways in which uh, we we could develop a more comprehensive understanding uh, that the conversation is not always about diversity, but it really is about inclusive thought, un- understanding that we, at least in my faith tradition, that we are our brother's keeper. So how, in fact, do we build cities, again, for all people, regardless of age, rage, ethnicity, demographic, 
that we're all in this together. Uh, so founding those two institutes are probably the things I'm most proud of, and also, obviously, in a world that can be as polarized uh, as possible sometimes, uh, working to bring uh, uh, Ds and Rs, and I'm proud that my successor, who is our current president, um, Brian Barnett, uh, the mayor of Rochester Hills, Michigan, a conservative Republican, that we decided to be a two-year strategy, uh, that, the, that the three I's would be our focus for two years. Again, just to show folks uh, maybe in D.C. who may not always get it right, that you can be of different backgrounds, different pedigrees, different parties, but also focus on, on, on things that bring people together. Oh, fantastic. All right, we're about halfway through our rapid-fire segment here, moving on to our next question. Now, those who follow you on social media, see that you, 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 you go from one end of the spectrum to the next. You can be a comedian to very serious in your, your topics, but you are extremely, extremely active on social media. Tell us why that's been important in your leadership and tell us a little bit about your social media. Well, I'm glad you think I'm funny because my daughters don't think I'm funny at all. No, no, in this age, no one laughs at my doggone jokes at home, so i got to be out in the community. No, I think, I think it's a, you know, it's a, um, depending on the medium, if it's Twitter or Instagram, I'm on Facebook a little bit, but, but usually it's Twitter or Instagram. Twitter's a bit more formal. Instagram is, you know, if someone tags me on Instagram and they want to talk politics, I almost always block it or delete it. It's, just, it's, just, it's a place to have fun. Uh, I think to show people uh, your human side uh, so often. Or well, your we, cooking we, segment. Uh, uh, exactly. You know, I, I, can, I can do a little something <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the grill. And it keeps me married. Uh, but, you know, it's a, um, <laughs> I think so often we, we, we come up on each other and we think we know someone. And the reality is that we, we, we don't know folks. We meet their representatives. And when you can ever take that veil off and actually show people that you're human in all respects, uh, that uh, if you have faults and, and shortcomings and everything else, I think it, it builds a healthier society. So, yeah, I don't mind going on, on, on Instagram and, and acting like a nut job every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 hel- it, helps us, uh, it helps us communicate with, our, I think, uh, a ready, willing, and able and, and needing, needing uh, constituency sometimes. Very well, good. Well, Mr. Mayor, uh, i gotta, I, I got to chime in on that because it's funny. I've got a nine-year-old daughter, so I, my, mine's a couple years younger than yours, but what this experience of work from home has meant for me is that my daughter who once thought I was kind of maybe cool and, and, and a little in, <laughs> I am, I'm coming out of this a different man. I am, I'm a nerdy dad. My jokes aren't funny. You know, Dude. I can't do much right. So I, I'm feeling you. <laughs> I tell you, man, on, on a couple of days, my, my youngest turns 13, so I have two teenagers, and I'm sure I'll be so not cool for so long, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 uh, but I'm okay. But, yeah, um, Steve Benjamin SC is my handle on Twitter and Instagram, so you guys join me, in, and if you got something uh, edifying and constructive, in, including constructive criticism, always wide open for that. Strongly encourage you to check Mayor Benjamin out and to follow him. Always great content. And if you get a moment to check out Chris, he seems like he's got some good stuff, too, going on. <laughs> Mayor Benjamin, what matters the most to you about being in public service? Uh, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it really is all about paying it forward. You know, I, I've, I've been blessed for 10 years to serve the city I love. That's really given me every opportunity that I, I've had uh, professionally uh, since I was 17 years old when I arrived at the university. I take my job very seriously, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of God, I'm a husband and a father, and then I'm mayor, and it's amazing that perspective helps me be a better mayor every single day. My job is to make sure that every child in this city 
has the same opportunities that the Benjamin girls have. They want for nothing. Their grandparents and their parents make mm-hmm. sure of that. So my job as, as, as the leader of the city is to try and create that very same opportunity for all these children who have amazing gifts and, and, and talents. Um, so that's, that's my job. That's what motivates me. If I, if I can um, uh, use my, my time in this office to create opportunities for so many of these kids to go up and, and help change the world, then I, I, I would have felt that that's time well spent. Very nice. Uh, you have been mayor since 2010. This is a loaded question. I know that it is. And I have to say before I ask the question, the, the, the night that you were elected the next mayor, there was an electricity in the air of, uh, in the city of Columbia that is something that uh, people are still smiling about to this day. So my question, you've been mayor since 2010. Have you thought about what's next? Now that we're pushing you out at all, but... Uh, uh. Uh, I, I think about what's next every single day, because I will tell you this, uh, George Washington, the father of our country, had something right, and that was two terms, okay? Mm-hmm. The third term is for suckers, y'all. <laughs> third, 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 third term is for suckers. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and, you know, I, I am... Um, you know, if I, if I ever run for something else again, which is which is a possibility, being frank, fifty fifty, I'm not sure that I, I I will. I'm a big believer that God gives you a few gifts and a few talents. If you're a good steward of them, maybe He gives you more. Um, but I, you know, I, before I became uh, mayor, I was I was chair elect of, of Chamber of Commerce here and served on um, some corporate boards, practice law. I miss the private sector. I really do. So mm-hmm. you know, so we'll see. Um, the priority, obviously, is making sure I can provide for my family and the things the girls not only need but they want. My boss is a chief judge here in, in the circuit now, and she's always working hard. So, so family decisions first, and and sure. then we'll and then we'll see where we go. But um, keep a brother in prayer, and hopefully, we'll make some good decisions. Yeah, and like and like yourself, I have that privilege of being married to a lawyer who's better than me, and and makes a very different. <laughs> I get challenged on a regular basis on how to craft my arguments. I could put it to you that way. I made the decision a long time ago, and I think you have too. You know, do you want to be uh, right or you want to be happy? And I've just decided, you know, I'd rather be I'd rather be happy. So I I uh, I, I, th- I throw a bunch of arguments. She is a, she is a much smarter lawyer than I've ever been. But I, I throw a bunch of arguments because I just I just like to keep the peace sometimes too. And from the I'll woman's the perspective, the you guys are operating just right. Yeah, I lead the league at the, here at the house in withdrawing objections. That's what I that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Benjamin, tell us what economic prosperity looks like in Columbia. It, it's literally building a city for all people. You know, so much of the narrative over the last several years in cities is, you know, how do you become a city that attracts millennials? You know, and we've, we've shown some great success in that regard um, the last couple of years, finishing only to Seattle and uh, Dallas maybe, we came in second one year and then fourth uh, the next year in the net retention of millennials. So we've been doing a great job uh, in attracting millennials, but also really focusing on perennials. You know, I've spent a lot of time the last three weeks, three calls with the AARP, which is an incredible organization, talking about how you attract and invest in those who are 50 and 60-year-olds, you know, the most, actually the most entrepreneurial cohort in the country, you know, that 50-plus marketplace it's a $7.6 trillion marketplace if it was a country in terms of GDP. It would only be um, smaller than the U.S. and China. So, you know, so focusing on, you know, in a world in which demography is destiny, how do you attract folks who have experience and assets to your community and, and continue to work to build 
innovative, age-friendly communities. If you can do that and then also focus on the challenges of income inequality and building you know, strong, healthy cities that, that allow uh, folks who may not have been born into um, as fortunate situations as we have to also uh, find their way from the bottom quintile up to middle class or the top quintile in American life, then you're really building a city that's balanced and strong and healthy uh, fundamentally. So that's what we're trying to do um, in, in terms of creating prosperity uh, in the city. It's got to be a really, you know, strategic plan focused on making sure we all succeed together. Just one quick note to that question. Bull Street Project, the revitalization of downtown Columbia, speak real quickly on that. I'm sorry that I'm adding, tagging onto that question, but could you address that real oh, quick? Right. Oh, no. Great cities grow from the inside out. A good, strong dynamic urban core where people are communing uh, in, in public rights of way and eating and dining and drinking, strong arts and cultural infrastructure. And in those great cities, in a few minutes, you can be in suburbs. In a few minutes past that, you can be in the rural across the American South, hunting for boar, fishing for bass, but start creating a vibrant urban core. And we made it a, a, a focus of ours to, to start with Main Street and the Vista and other parts of the city, and then uh, to migrate to Bull Street. Bull Street is a 181-acre uh, development that represents the largest developable parcel uh, any downtown east of the Mississippi, our former mental health asylum uh, that at, at full development. It's a 20-year project. We expect it to, to be a $1.2 billion development that will um, help define the future of our city. Uh, we've built a, uh, the, according to Baseball Digest, the stadium of the decade for our minor league uh, Columbia Firefly. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's really someplace very special. Uh, new development, historic preservation, uh, beautiful Sylvan campus. It still has uh, a number of historic trees there. The largest parcel there, the Babcock building, is under development right now with the Clacking Group out of Richmond, uh, Virginia. I'm itching for baseball to come back, guys. I'm, I grew up a Yankees <laughs> fan. I, I, uh, <laughs> my, my Fireflies are a Mets affiliate, uh, so i got to cheer for the Mets now, too. And it's, um, it's really injected some exciting life uh, into the uh, city. Um, REI has uh, just built their, their new facility that will open up later this year uh, when the COVID-19 crisis passes. So some residential development already over there, seniors and condos. So uh, some more to come. So we're... We're excited, but, but great cities start from the inside out and a, a good focus on building up that infrastructure that allows for the development of a vibrant urban core is essential. We've made that commitment, and the city's moving forward in that direction. Fantastic. Last two questions of our boom, rapid-fire Q&A. Give us a quote that you live by. Uh, fortune favors the bold. Fortune favors the bold. I, I, I do believe that, um, and, and maybe in the old Southern way of saying it, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. You've got to be go. bold and excited and really stepping out beyond uh, the confines that sometimes define our, our, our world. Yeah, I believe that fortune truly does favor the bold. All right, and our last question here. Chris is a LSU man. When I tell you he is an LSU man, he is an LSU man of man. And um, if it starts the line and there is a college football season, would you please tell Chris who would take it? 
USC or LSU? <laughs> Let me tell you what. Uh, uh, Will Will Muschamp is a dear friend of mine, so I'm always going to go with, with my Gamecocks. LSU's been pretty doggone strong lately, so we, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always uh, I've always uh, built my political career on being candid. Uh, I will tell you, uh, Chris, we had we had Josh Booty in town the other day. He uh, he's uh, helping lead a company now that provide some PPE and I if I if I could put Josh uh, uh in the lineup uh I think we could we could take you guys all day long all day long <laughs> <laughs> Well look I'll make you this deal if that game happens and look we we we're a long way from uh, from this fall and and we'll see what happens but if we're playing I believe it's it's November 14th in Baton Rouge if we can be safe and social distance I'll promise you one thing we will cook you the best food if you come visit us before that game and the winners take the spoils. We'll see what happens on the field, but we'll have right. fun beforehand for sure. Uh, a virtual handshake on that, brother. I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, look, Mayor Benjamin, LaJoya, thank you guys for uh, for joining us. A couple takeaways. Um, it sounds like I'm going to get a bourbon on Main Street next time I'm in town. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll have some good boudin for you in Baton Rouge uh, when we can get together soon. I appreciate your time. Uh, that's a wrap on our episode of Boom. Until the next time, I want to thank everybody and see you then. Thanks for listening. And if you like this episode, tell a friend. You can also find transcripts, links, and more on our website, adamsandreese.com. 